Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Taking to Heart the Cumulative Burden of Elevated LDL Cholesterol, Clinical Strategies to Enhance Outcomes in Severe Familial Hypercholesterolemia. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an independent medical educational grant from Regeneron Pharmaceuticals Incorporated. My name is Dr. Robert Rosenson. I am professor of medicine at Mount Sinai Heart at the Icon School of Medicine. I serve as the director of metabolism and lipids for the Mount Sinai Health System. Today, we're going to discuss clinical strategies to enhance outcomes in severe familial hypercholesterolemia. Familial hypercholesterolemia is the most common cardiovascular genetic disorder. In FH, genetic mutations impair the way the body clears cholesterol, resulting in extremely high circulating levels of LDL cholesterol. The two types of familial hypercholesterolemia are homozygous and heterozygous. Each type can cause severe hypercholesterolemia, conventionally defined as an LDL cholesterol greater than or equal to 190 mg per deciliter. Worldwide, the prevalence of FH is 1 in 313 subjects in the general population. However, familial hypercholesterolemia is more common in individuals with cardiovascular disease and severe hypercholesterolemia. In this analysis, those individuals with ischemic heart disease had a tenfold higher risk of having familial hypercholesterolemia. In contrast to the previous worldwide incidence of 1 in 313, among individuals with ischemic heart disease, the prevalence is 1 in 31. For those men with ischemic heart disease part of the age of 55 and women with ischemic heart disease part of the age of 60, familial hypercholesterolemia is detected in 1 in 15. And among those with severe hypercholesterolemia, it occurs in 1 in 14. In the FH population, those who have two defects, the homozygous FH patients, have higher cholesterol levels and earlier onset of cardiovascular disease than those who have one mutation or the HEFH population. The LDL cholesterol level in the cardiovascular risk is also influenced by the LDL receptor abnormality. Those who have the least LDL receptor activity have the highest LDL cholesterol and therefore the highest cardiovascular risk. In this study, adolescents who had an FH gene were placed on cholesterol-lowering therapy with a statin. The early treatment with statin therapy resulted in no difference in events over 12 years compared to their siblings with the unaffected mutation. So early detection, aggressive treatment can forestall and prevent the onset of cardiovascular disease. In the next session, let's discuss diagnostic strategies to enhance identification of patients with severe FH. It is important for the clinician to understand when one might consider a diagnosis of familial hypercholesterolemia. In those patients who have a personal history of untreated LDL cholesterol levels that are very high, greater than equal to 130 milligram per deciliter in a child, greater than equal to 190 milligram per deciliter in an adult, those with a family history of cardiovascular disease, most often early onset, it is important when you evaluate a patient with severe hypercholesterolemia that you examine the dorsum of the hands and the Achilles tendons to determine if tendons and thomas are present. 
If you fulfill criteria established by the Dutch Lipid Clinic or the Simon Broom criteria, you can be fairly certain that that individual does have familial hypercholesterolemia. But it's in those situations when the clinical diagnosis is unclear that genetic testing can provide guidance. Why is it important to make a diagnosis of familial hypercholesterolemia? It's only that way one can appreciate the cumulative burden of an elevated LDL cholesterol level. Because in the individuals with familial hypercholesterolemia, they have a high LDL cholesterol even before they were born. Importantly, cascade screening is used to identify first-degree relatives who may be at risk and unaware of their LDL cholesterol or unaware of their cardiovascular risk. Often, pediatricians may detect a high LDL cholesterol, resulting in screening of the parents who are unaware that they had an elevated LDL cholesterol. So cascade screening works both ways, to the older and the younger generations, as well as generations of the same age range. Screening considerations for children include early diagnosis and treatment to reduce cardiovascular disease and associated manifestations of atherosclerosis, including supravalvular aortic stenosis, which is found in individuals who have homozygous FH. Children with a strong family history of Early onset cardiovascular disease should be monitored starting at age two. In children with high cholesterol levels, think about FH. And the cascade screening is highly recommended to identify siblings and the parents at high risk. In the next session, let's review the rationale for the use of novel strategies such as targeting angioquitin like 3 in patients with severe FH. We have several classes of LDL cholesterol-lowering therapies. Stands inhibit cholesterol biosynthesis in the liver and increase LDL receptor activity. Similar mechanism is operable with pempidoic acid. Ezetimibe blocks cholesterol absorption in the intestine. PCSK9 inhibitors block PCSK9-mediated degradation of LDL receptors. Lomidipide works by blocking cholesterol absorption and angiopoietin-like 3 inhibitors, disinhibit lipoprotein lipase, and endothelial lipase. In this publication from the Journal of Lipid Research, a treatment algorithm for individuals with homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia is defined. Using evidence-based therapies, we begin with a statin, followed by ezetimibe, a PCSK9 inhibitor, and then think about other therapies such as evanocumab, lomidipide, or LDLA-phoresis. Many of our patients with homozygous FH require multiple medications and sometimes require LDLA-phoresis as well. It's important to recognize that those therapies that work by upregulating the LDL receptor are less effective when you have two mutations, particularly if you have no residual LDL receptor activity. In those situations, stands may not have lower LDL cholesterol at all, or they have a diminished efficacy. Zetamide also has limited efficacy, as do the PCSK9 inhibitors. Therapies that work independently of the LDL receptor include lomidipide, evanocumab, and of course, LDLA-phoresis. Among patients with familial hypercholesterolemia, the response to PCSK9 inhibitors depends on residual LDL receptor activity. In those individuals with homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia, the LDL cholesterol-lowering effects are 21 to 27%. Whereas in individuals with heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia, larger reductions in LDL cholesterol are seen, ranging from 43 to 56%. In contrast to those therapies that lower LDL cholesterol by increasing LDL receptor activity, angiopoietin-like 3 protein inhibitors work independent of the LDL receptor. By remodeling 
the VLDL particle in the liver to a smaller size VLDL that's converted to a larger LDL particle, those particles can be cleared by the residual LDLR receptor activity or by non-LDLR pathways. In addition, through disinhibiting lipoprotein lipase, you can form a larger LDL particle, which has more interaction between the EPOB on that particle with LDL receptor and also non-LDLR pathways. In the next session, let's discuss the efficacy of approved and emerging angiopoietin-like 3 inhibitors in patients with FH. In the ELLIPS-HOFH trial, patients with homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia were randomized 2 to 1 to receive either evanocumab or placebo dosed as 15 mg per kilogram IV every four weeks. In this analysis, evanocumab lowered LDL cholesterol by 49% compared to placebo, and the results were sustained over 24 weeks. Next, we evaluated the response of evanocumab based on residual LDL-R activity. We separated individuals who had non-null mutations with those who had null-null mutations. And importantly, evanocumab was equally effective in reducing LDL cholesterol in those individuals with null-null mutations as non-null mutations. This represents an incredibly important advance for the hardest to treat patients with homozygous and heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia. In a separate trial of individuals with refractory hypercholesterolemia, most of whom had heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia, we compared intravenous versus subcutaneous administration of evanocumab. In part A of the trial, evanocumab was administered intravenously at either doses of 15 milligram per kilogram every four weeks or 5 milligram per kilogram every four weeks versus matching placebo. There was a dose-dependent reduction in LDL cholesterol. In Part B, we administered evanocumab subcutaneously every seven days. Again, a dose-dependent reduction in LDL cholesterol levels, the highest doses of the therapy. And with the subcutaneous arms, the reduction in LDL cholesterol approached 56%. The long-term efficacy of evanocumab was investigated in individuals who completed the double-blind placebo-controlled arm of the study. They were followed from 24 weeks to 48 weeks. The average LDL cholesterol levels fell by 43.7% in those who received evanocumab in the early part of the study and by 52.4% in those who had been on placebo. Why the difference? Probably adjustment in the baseline therapy in those individuals who received marked reduction in LDL cholesterol in the double-blind treatment period. In addition to the human monoclonal antibody approach, approaches to inhibiting angiopoietin-like 3 have been developed. First, an antisense oligonucleotide was investigated using the compound rubanorsin. Unfortunately, this agent is not being developed due to hepatotoxicity. But there's an siRNA agent that is under investigation in patients with homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia known as AROANG3. In the next session, let's discuss the safety of approved and emerging angiopoietin-like 3 inhibitors in patients with severe familial hypercholesterolemia. With any new lipid-lowering therapy, it's essential to evaluate the safety of those treatments. Epinocumab, a fully human monoclonal antibody, was not only efficacious, it was safe. Rarely, patients experienced nasopharyngitis, influenza-like illness, and even less commonly, had to stop the therapy due to allergic response. Many of the symptoms were nonspecific.
In the adolescent HOFH population, treatment emergent adverse events occurred in 66.1% of patients, one which was pregnancy that led to discontinuation of the therapy per protocol, and serious treatment adverse events were reported in 13.9%. Two patients experienced a treatment emergent adverse event resulting in death, none of which were considered related to study medication. It's important to recognize this is a study of HOFH population with an extremely high burden of cardiovascular disease. It's important to maintain the context of the safety of other antilipid drugs. Statins, the most common side effect, is an adverse muscle symptom that may occur in 5 to maybe 20-25%, as MI can cause muscle aches, gastrointestinal upset, pempidoic acid, hyperuricemia. There have been cases of tendon rupture reported in their phase two trials. PCSK9 inhibitors can cause nasal pharyngitis, injection site reactions, and influenza-like condition. And lomidopide results in diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, dyspepsia, and abdominal pain. The key success with the lomidopide is to have the patient stick to a very low-fat diet. Otherwise, the tolerability of that agent is poor. When we consider starting therapies on our patients, we need to educate them on the disease state, the need to persist with the therapy, review the adverse events, and if they experience adverse events, decide whether you feel that it's related or unrelated, and then re-challenge, either with that agent at a lower dose or other therapies, to determine if those same side effects are experienced. So to summarize this activity, think about familial hypercholesterolemia and those with marked elevations in LDL cholesterol, atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, particularly when it's early in onset, diagnose early, treat aggressively, use all available options to achieve recommended LDL cholesterol goals, and consider some of the novel therapies such as angiopoietin-like 3 inhibitors, which are highly effective and extremely safe for lowering LDL cholesterol. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.